everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the Deeps Podcast. This episode, we cover the second half of Luke chapter 1, and that'll be verses 39 through 80. But before we dive into the text, let's open with a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Bless me today as I walk through this passage, and guide me through your plans for us today, and reveal your word to me understanding that everyone listening to this may benefit from it. In your name alone I pray. Amen. Alright, so just like we did in the last episode, we're going to be opening up to Luke chapter 1, this time starting at verse 39. Also, I am reading this out of the ESV ESV Bible for those of you reading along. So, Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 39 and going to the end of the chapter. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed in that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet, and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened, and his tongue was loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord, God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sin, 
because of the tender mercy of God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in the spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Alright, and that is the infallible word of God. Okay, so like last time, we're going to just walk through this kind of verse by verse, but this time we're going to be going through it in this text in three points. Powerful meeting, praising song, and then prophesied king. So our first point, which is starting at verse 39, is powerful meeting, which is about the meeting that we are told about here um, between Mary and Elizabeth. So starting at verse 39. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she'd entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. So after the angel Gabriel told Mary that Harold of Elizabeth was also pregnant in verse 36 um, that we covered last week, she immediately goes to meet her. Notice that the word here that's used in the ESV is haste, and it's used to describe how she went there. Um, so she went there in haste, meaning, you know, very fast, immediately, pretty much after Gabriel told Mary about this uh, pregnancy and Elizabeth's pregnancy. Um, and this is something, that her pregnancy, that is, that these two women can both relate on. And I'm sure that Mary really wanted to be able to talk to someone else who might understand what's happening with her right now. Um, remember, most people will probably scorn Mary for conceiving um, as a virgin, betrothal, not married yet. So she goes to one person who will understand, her relative who also just conceived, merely because of the grace and providence of God through divine intervention. This encounter is going to benefit both women because we must also remember that Elizabeth has hidden herself away with no one to talk to but a mute husband, meaning nobody to talk to. So I think that this is kind of a subtle hint that it's good to have others to celebrate with and good to have other people just to lean on and to be able to talk to every now and then. So now going back to the text, starting at verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So first things first, this is a huge sign of what is to come and what has already happened. First, we see a sign of fulfillment that the Spirit has indeed begun preparing John to prepare the world for Jesus. John already recognizes the presence of a just-conceived Jesus Christ, showing in how he leapt in Elizabeth's womb. In the commentary read along with this passage, it pointed out that when it says Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit, Luke is pointing out that the Lord enlightened Elizabeth to why Mary is here at her house. Once again, we see God's sovereignty in everything, as here Elizabeth is given the knowledge of the blessing that Mary has, and then begins to say this starting at verse 42. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. It is essential to this exclamation that Elizabeth makes, that the Spirit, through Elizabeth's mouth, says, Blessed are you among women. It does not say above women. In other words, Mary is not greater than any other human woman. Yet, she is still recognized for the faith that she has had in her Lord. And the second part of this verse is where we see that the Spirit has completely enlightened Elizabeth to the one whom Mary has conceived. We know that the Spirit has done this because all that Mary has said to Elizabeth so far is just a greeting. 
So what's the point here? Well, we are once again seeing that God is in full control of the situation, even in the little meeting between two relatives, which becomes much larger than just a small meeting between two relatives. Um, diving back into the text of verse 45, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Elizabeth here actually recognizes the belief of Mary and celebrates that here. I think that this highlights even more the faith that Mary has have had about this pregnancy and that the Spirit, once again through Elizabeth's mouth, celebrates the faith that she has in her Lord's sovereignty and providence. Notice though, Mary is blessed for her faith, but also simply because she is bearing the Son of God. Bring it back to verse 42 real quick. When it said, blessed is the fruit of your womb, Elizabeth through the Spirit, or the Spirit through Elizabeth, is pointing out that she is largely blessed just because of the one that she has conceived. Um, so now moving on to our second point, and this is the praising song um, that Mary sings here. So Mary starts breaking into the song praising God, and instead of thanking Elizabeth for her words of kindness, she just starts praising the Lord right then and there. In my Bible, this song is noted as the Magnificat, which is essentially meaning Mary's song is magnifying God. My commentary noted that her song contains quotations and references from the Old Testament, which is huge for application to us. This shows that Mary, through her, throughout her youth, took God's word and hid it in her heart. This hidden word that she has stored in her heart and has dwelled on is turned into a song, praising the Lord our God. In Matthew 12, verse 34, it says that, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This means two things for us here. First, Mary's heart is good and full of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, the words that we speak mean more than just the meaning that they have. Words have serious implications about the state of our hearts, which is why we need to watch them and something I am totally guilty of not doing. So diving into the text here of Mary's song, starting at verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Um, actually, I was supposed to end at verse 47, so ignore that last line there. Um, so Mary's song starts off much like a psalm of thanksgiving, recognizing the greatness of God. When she says, and my spirit rejoices, she is saying that her whole being is rejoicing. Her whole being is ecstatic because of what God has done for her. It's important here how she addresses God here. She calls him God my Savior, Savior with a capital S. First off, she is naming God Savior. And secondly, she is recognizing that she needs saving. She is admitting that she is a sinner just like you and just like me. This confession should stand out to us for two big reasons. One, this once again confirms that Jesus is not being born of a Sorry, Jesus is, is being born of a sinner, making him completely and holy man. And second, Mary is not a holy being to be worshipped and praised. She is blessed by God, but no better a person than me or you. And quickly, just to point out another thing here, God chose a sinner to bear his son because Jesus had to be holy man and one of us to save us but also because God chose mercy and grace to sinners. He chose to give grace to Mary and make her blessed among women 
even though she has sinned just as much as the next Jewish woman. Woman, Mary speaks on God's mercy and grace to her more in these next verses, starting at verse 48. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary recognizes the magnitude of the blessing that God has given her, and she doesn't take it lightly. We saw last week that Mary responded to God's gift with humility and servitude, and that comes back up again here, and Mary calls herself God's servant. She then praises God even more for the greatness of what he had done for her once again, calling him mighty and holy is his name. There is certainly a great level of self-application here, and I pose it as a question. I'm not going to ask you, do you praise God? I'm going to ask you, do you praise God like Mary does? Mary's praise is humble. Mary's praise is boasting in God, lifting him up, turning the narrative from what she has been blessed with to what God has blessed her with. So often, when we have successes, we forget to point directly to God immediately after. I know I do. I forget to turn the spotlight directly to Him all the time. But when we do, are we doing it with our whole being as Mary does? Or are we holding some praise back? I think it's human nature to reserve praise for ourselves, and it's something that we must be aware of and have to fight against. Be humble, lift God up, and shine the spotlight on God and His power and might as Mary does here. Mary's song now shifts slightly from praising God for what he has done for her to what he has done, can do, and will do for us, starting at verse 50. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. So, Mary calls for us to fear the Lord, and he will give us mercy. The mercy that Mary speaks of here isn't a temporary mercy that, that happens one day and is gone the next. Mary speaks here of a generational mercy that comes from the Father, bringing the child of those who fear him to himself. A friend of mine brought up the fact that Parents aren't the one who save their kids. Their teaching and faithful raising helps, but it is not what saves their child's spirit. The Lord's merciful love is what saves them. The Spirit, blessing each generation with a fear of God and faith like Mary's, is what saves the children of each generation of believers, and new believers wishing to start their own believing generations as well. This, that is the mercy that Mary speaks of here, and it's ironic because this is the same mercy that chose Mary to be the bearer of Jesus. If we think back, the mercy that God had on David and the generations before David on Abraham are what, causes, are what brings Mary into conceiving Jesus. God mercifully promised that the Savior would come from their descendants, ultimately Joseph's bride-to-be, Mary. There is nothing on this earth like the mercy of the Lord which lasts thousands and thousands of years from generation to generation. Verses 51, 52, and 53 all speak of specific groups that God has given grace to, and these are all groups that in this day were basically the common folk or the peasants. These namely are the weak who need a strong God, the humble who God exalts in their humble estate, and the hungry who need food. Lastly, 
Mary's song shifts uh, to singing about the things that God did specifically for Israel by giving them his son, starting at verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Um, I think that it's important to note the way that Mary says God remembered Israel. I by no means think that this is doubt from Mary, but rather Mary addressing the doubt that a lot of Israelites had that God would have forgotten about his promise to his people. And Mary responds to that by praising him, saying, of course he remembered us. He always knew. He always had a plan for his people from the time that he spoke to our forefathers. Um, heading back to the text, we're going to start back at verse 56. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. So, quick bit of math here. Mary stayed with Elizabeth until she gave birth to John. And we can be confident in this historical fact because of the next verse, 58. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. More rejoicing and praise to God happens here, but this time from Elizabeth's entire family, which would have included her relative Mary. Once again, we see that motherhood was seen much more as a sign of blessing back in this time, very unlike how motherhood is seen today by most of the world. And we see that through Elizabeth's family rejoicing in the great mercy that the Lord has shown to her in taking away her barrenness. Now heading back to the text again, starting at verse 59. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by his this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing template, tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. So, I didn't say this in the last episode when we were talking about God making Zechariah mute, but I think that it is important to know here. Both of the commentaries I read pointed out that very likely Zechariah was also deaf because people are having to make signs to him. Now, why is this important? Because it adds the significance that he stuck with what the angel had told him by naming his son John. You see, Zechariah would have had no way of knowing that Elizabeth was trying to tell their family that she wanted his name to be John, and all his relatives asked him was, what do you want his name to be? And since this name, it wasn't exactly a name you pick for your son if no one else in the family has it, this comes as a huge surprise to his family and shows Zechariah's renewed faith and recognition of God's sovereignty. This faith is rewarded, and Zechariah's voice is given back, and he immediately starts praising God. What a beautiful picture this is. A man who had weak faith, being mute for nine months, and the first thing that he does is praise God, the very one who punished him, making him mute. And now, here we see him praising God. So now going back to the text, starting at verse 65. And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. Before moving on to Zechariah's prophecy of the king, Luke highlights the fame that John has immediately after his birth, setting the stage for him to prepare a lot of people for the Christ his father is about to prophesy about. Stage is set, 
and the play is about to start. John is prepared, he's ready, as we saw in the last part of the chapter. Um, John has already been being prepared here. We see that he's given faith, so everybody kind of knows about him. So when he comes talking and calling them to be baptized, they already know, okay, the Lord is with this one, maybe we need to listen to him. So now, the last point, um, prophesied king, um, this is talking about, you know, Zechariah's prophecy um, that he kind of spits out here. So starting at verse 67, and his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, um, let me just pause right there real quick. When it says that Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit here, it can be pretty much exactly parallel to how Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit earlier in the chapter. So now 68, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. In this line of Zechariah's prophecy, he uses the word redeemed, as in the way a prisoner is set free with a payment. This is a heavy allusion to Jesus' purpose on earth to set his people free and atone for their sin and our sins with his death. Something that stood out to me from this is that I think Zechariah actually realizes the true mission that Jesus had on earth and likely passed that on to John, which is, of course, to save his people. I do not know, however, if Zechariah realizes that Christ must sacrifice himself to do this. Um, now going back, starting at verse 69. And has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Verse 69 carries on the same tune of Christ coming to save us in the picture of this time a horn. Often a horn blowing after a battle signified victory and might. But the victory that Zechariah alludes to is the eternal victory that we will have someday because of Christ's death. Now we'll start in verse 70. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant the oath that he swore to our father abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days notice the response to salvation that we are given is serving him in gratitude once again, even before the sacrifice of Christ made, even before Christ's death, we are shown how to respond to the great act of salvation that he is about to do. And this act is the greatest act in the history of mankind in this earth. I think this is huge. Just the fact that all this, all these testimonies about how to respond to what Jesus is about to do, it comes before Jesus has even done it. I think this brings it, you know, full circle almost that we need we need to respond to this call that Jesus has given us this great salvation that he's given us we need to respond with gratitude and in servitude in service to him because of the amazing things that he has done I mean we we should want to serve him because he's done some amazing amazing things for us so the last part of this passage starting at verse 76 and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of the salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in the spirit, 
He was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance in Israel, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. He just told us that Jesus is God when he says on high, by the way, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. What a beautiful, beautiful image that we are given here of Christ's might and his grace. Zechariah is saying here, look, we are already in the very shadow of death. Death is closing in on us. Yet, here comes the Savior, shining his light to push away the enemy and reaching his holy hand out to pull us into the way of peace. The way. Zechariah has seriously benefited from his time of muteness, and God has granted him the vision to see that faith in Christ is the one and only way to salvation. What we are given here is a perfect image of what salvation in Christ looks like. This entire chapter is like how you would take a picture, if you could, of Christ's might and his mercy. The first half of the chapter was framing up the shot, you know, giving us some perspective on just how big this act is. And then the second half of the chapter is focusing the shot, you know, making the details sharper, bringing them into focus. And in chapter two, we will see the actual shot of Christ's birth. And then the rest of the book is basically a photo album of Christ's life. But I love the theme of responding with servitude. It continues here. But it's important to note why we are responding with grateful servitude. And I'll go back to the first line of verse 79 again. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are in the shadow of death. Death is approaching us and it's getting closer day by day. And as death draws nearer, Christ comes to us and saves us. One of my favorite lines and one of my favorite hymns goes like this. And I won't actually sing it for you guys. <laughs> it goes, nearer still nearer, close to thy heart. Draw me my savior, so precious thou art. Fold me, oh fold me, close to thy breast. Shelter me safe in that haven of rest. And then the next line of the song starts out, nearer still nearer, nothing I bring. If you are listening, and if you can only take one thing out of this entire chapter, remember this, you are in the shadow of death. I am in the shadow of death, but Christ is drawing you close to his heart. You bring nothing to him, but he will shelter you safe in that haven of rest, which is his great and amazing salvation. And respond to this grace in grateful servitude to the one who brings you nearer, still nearer. Let us pray. Dear God, thank you for this time you've given us today. Please keep everybody safe and help them to have a good rest of their day. Thank you for your word and thank you for your son who died for our salvation, in whose name I pray. Amen. Now, um, next week we are going to start covering chapter 2. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be the whole chapter. Um, it's, let's see here, just looking at it briefly right now, I think it's definitely doable, um, considering I was able to make this episode a little bit shorter than the last one. And we covered more verses so um so we're probably gonna cover the entirety of chapter two um which is of course one of the most famous chapters in the entire book of the bible it's read almost every christmas in most every christian home um jesus's birth 
So we'll be covering that next episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, also, one thing that I just kind of thought of, um, if you guys have any prayer requests or anything you'd like me to pray for in the beginning of the episode, um, you can email them. And the podcast email is pretty simple. It's just, uh, let me make sure I got it. Yeah, just thedeepspodcast at gmail.com. Thedeepspodcast at gmail.com. Um, so, so thank you guys for listening to the second episode of The Deeps Podcast. Bye, guys. Thank you.